Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Michael Reed on LMFM. Wednesday morning, the 22nd of April. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. We now expect gross domestic product to contract by around 10.5% this year. We are clearly now in the midst of a severe recession both domestically and globally. Minister Pascal Donoghue telling us we are in recession and the projections are all the more worrying, even in the best case scenario. That scarring effects and uncertainty mean that recovery in the second half of our year in our economy will be gradual. That's the best case scenario. If containment measures are not lifted and if this is a function of what is happening with our public health, then the economic effect will clearly be more severe. The virus has changed our world beyond recognition. In the space of a few weeks, our jobs market has transformed from a situation of full employment to one where unemployment has risen with a speed and scale that is completely unprecedented. Unemployment, the minister says, could peak at 22% and recovery could be slow. Some sectors will recover faster than others and we believe it will be approximately 2022 until we see economic activity begin to resemble or match where we were at this pre-crisis level. The repercussions could be felt for years to come. A sharp change in our fiscal balance is now expected, with a general government deficit of 23 billion euro, or 7.5% of gross domestic product. And that might be bad, but... That deficit could grow further as we move through the year. So, government needs to borrow to allow for an increase in expenditure. Of approximately €8 billion on previously announced figures to account for measures taken in response to the COVID-19 crisis and also to fund income supports over the second half of the year. So, does this mean we'll be spending money that we just don't have? The debt gross domestic product ratio is now forecast at 69%. This is an increase of 10 percentage points. Meanwhile, debt to gross national income modified is projected to increase to 125% for this year. The solution is obvious. Obviously, we need to reopen the country and kickstart the economy. We are not yet at a point where we can um, uh, give an indication to the country or indeed conclude on this within government regarding what parts of our economy could be prioritised for opening sooner. 
the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue's grim prospects as he presented in his uh, stability programme update yesterday. Now, some company or countries are opening up uh, across uh, Europe. Schools, shops and businesses are open in uh, some of uh, the countries. In Denmark, you can get a, a haircut. Could you imagine getting a haircut? God, I think there's a lot of people who'd like to get a haircut and there's a lot of people I'd like to see get a haircut for that matter and you're not the only one who'd like to get a haircut it seems uh, because uh, the hairdressers in Denmark have been inundated since the news broke that they could open today. Uh, there are steps uh, to look at what might happen going forward. Health ministers are to meet through a video conference today and the European Commission is expected to announce guidelines for a roadmap of recommendations for member states to open and share borders uh, going forward. Let's talk about this with Mairead McGuinness Finnegale, MEP and First Vice President of the European Union. A very good morning to you Mairead and uh, thanks for joining morning. us here on the this morning. We are obviously some way off reopening borders now uh, or reopening the country if you like now uh, but uh, it, it is something that needs uh, to be considered if we're to do it gradually and successfully. Yes I think we're a long way off and you know people are saying about returning to normal. I don't think the normal we used to know will be the norm of the future. So I think we need to get used to that idea that our lives are going to be changed even when we begin to if you like de-escalate the restrictions. It's interesting that you mentioned hairdressing in Denmark, and I, if I could go, mm. I would. But mm. just, of course, people, you know, want these services. They also opened uh, primary schools and daycare centres. But as I understand it, a lot of parents were very anxious about that, and many are still keeping their children at home. Yeah. So while an individual country may decide to l- loosen the restrictions based on where they are at in this pandemic... The people themselves may have grown cautious and be more protective. And there is no doubt that the um, group we're trying to protect, those who are cocooning, the vulnerable, uh, um, they will probably need to be protected r- further than the date um, when some restrictions may be eased. So, yes, Denmark has done it. Austria is moving to um, open smaller stores, but obviously insisting on social distancing and wearing masks when outdoors. Um, So little by little, but for example, the country that I normally would travel to for work, Belgium, are not lifting restrictions and there is no sense at the moment that that will change. But every country is looking at where it is at in the cycle of the pandemic, where they're at in this um, curve, And the Commission are looking at this as well. So there won't be a one-size-fits-all roadmap to say we can all do this tomorrow. In fact, it will be tailor-made to each country, their particular position. And and this is the bit that may be difficult for us all to deal with. Mm. It will be monitored. And if things are going wrong, there will be an immediate restoration of restrictions. One of the things I hope we're learning, and I think, you know, we all have to remind ourselves about washing the hands. Uh, I'd worry that perhaps the longer this goes on, we might get slack or lazy about those things that will protect us. And if we are to ease restrictions, we need to keep the cough etiquette, the hand washing and all of those important things which protect us and our neighbour. And that is why I I insist, Mm. and it is a difficult reality, that the norm we knew is part of our dreams. It's the past. And until this pandemic has two things, either an excellent treatment path or a vaccine or both preferably, Mm. we are going to be in this unusual situation. And that was the message yesterday from the health commissioner, Kyriakidas. She was very clear. She said that 
you know, we are uh, in a very difficult and dangerous place with this uh, virus. It is completely unknown to us only in the last couple of months. And we have to be very cautious about unwinding restrictions and leading to a second peak of infection. As you know, that happened in Japan and Singapore. So that's why monitoring will also be absolutely crucial. Mm. There's no doubt. Uh, and I suppose the thing is is uh, that they're hoping uh, that one country won't move uh, too fast uh, and uh, that that will change the behaviour in another country. For example, uh, could you imagine if a hardware store or a garden centre opened in Newry tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be lots of people crossing the border. And that seems to be a problem that they're having in Germany. There's a lot of disagreement about what should happen within Germany itself. Uh, there's uh, one line of thought and uh, another line of thought and it's a federal federal view versus a state view. Absolutely, and I think Chancellor Merkel made those observations. I suppose to some extent there are regional um, problems in Germany. Um, Bavaria, for example, had a much more difficult experience with COVID, so they are certainly not being as easing of restrictions as other parts of Germany. But I think the Chancellor, in her that statement she made about how this virus spreads and how one person has such a, an incredibly difficult and bad impact if the person spreads the virus, she has been warning of um, not being, if you like, careless or indeed reckless because Europe operates on the basis of the precautionary principle. And I think we need to apply it in this case. Mm. And as much and all as each of us as individuals are finding the restrictions, just the small things difficult to deal with, we are going to have to deal with them in order to protect lives. And we have already lost many, many people to this um, horrible virus and the infection it causes. Uh, many in our own uh, Loudmead area. So I think we need to be mindful that families who are grieving Uh, Because they've lost a loved one, we want to make sure that uh, we minimise the dreadful impact this virus can have. And I suppose people are even, uh, you know, asking, like, why is it that in some people Mm. it causes death or serious illness? And in others, there aren't even symptoms, but they could be carriers. So there's an awful lot about this virus, which the experts are learning from each other. And that's Mm. the good thing about the European coordination. Experts differ. Experts will always differ, but they Mm -hmm. really do differ when it comes back to that. Maybe we'll come back uh, to the Swedish experts uh, in a moment uh, because they're so different to everybody else and looking at herd mentality. I was talking about going north of the border to a garden centre or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in Austria, there's queues outside of the garden centres and the hardware stores. And I suppose it's indicative of the way we all feel the world over. And it it is uh, amazing how similar we are the world over, whether it's buying too much toilet roll or throwing food out or wanting to get to a garden centre when maybe we'd never go to a garden centre or maybe we'd never go for a walk and we're all out walking. But they've opened up all of the shops there, or at least shops that are uh, less than 400 square metres and they're about to open the bigger shops. Uh, the shopping centres will be opened mm-hmm. from the 2nd of May and then they're also going to open hotels and restaurants by the middle of May. They are. That is their plan. But like every other member state, they will be looking at what happens in this phase of the opening of the smaller shops. There will be the restrictions on um, social distancing. They are insisting that people wear masks outdoors so that, for example, they may change their plan Mm. for the reopening of uh, shopping centres and larger stores given the experience of the current lifting of restrictions. So when people are reading about what other countries are doing, their their plan may be to do that, but their lived experience may require them to change that plan. And, uh, you know, we all were listening to the Taoiseach last night, and I think that was the message he was trying to get across, 
that while we have plans and hopes and expectations and we should know relatively soon what they are when we come to the end of this phase of restrictions, we also have to be mindful that we will be testing the water Mm. and we will be very conscious um, of the statistics. One of the things which I suppose is, is of concern, certainly to the European Parliament and the Health, uh, the Environment Committee that I sit on, because we met yesterday, is that countries are not measuring or counting in the same way, both the numbers who are infected with COVID-19 and those who have died from COVID-19. Mm. And we are going to have to try and get statistics that are comparable in order for us then to make judgments about what works in different countries. So there are lots of things mm. like that that need to be addressed. There's also this slightly controversial issue about using app technology to track, mm. um, not so much to track movements of individuals, but to, I suppose, indicate to members of the public where there might be um, a COVID infection in regions. Mm, but it's led to this conspiracy theory, which was probably what you said, first of all, I don't know if that was a Freudian slip, but this is uh, the thing that Big Brother is watching you now. Well, I suppose, particularly in, in Europe and in mm. Ireland, where we value our freedom and you don't mm. want um, our privacy invaded, even though people put up all sorts of information on, on social media, forgetting that it's public. But that aside, um, if we are using technology, and I think we can use it to good effect, I think people have to know that it's not an invasion of their privacy and that they're not just being watched for the sake of it. But if this technology will allow us track the regional spread of the virus, show where it doesn't exist, I think it gives people comfort Mm. as well as reassurance, which I think is really, really important. And there is light at the end of the tunnel for us. I mean, if we look at some of uh, the worst countries, Italy and Spain, for example, uh, they're starting uh, to get back to business. Uh, In Italy, uh, you can go and buy a a book, stationery shops uh, and shops selling children's clothes are are open. In Spain, non-essential workers are are going back to work. But on the other hand, that's led to some confusion uh, over what is essential, what's non-essential and uh, the amount of people who are using public transport now because they're not able to travel safely and so they're being given face masks. Yeah, I mean, again, you're, you're right there. There's a lot of different um, ways to reopen. But I imagine that in Italy and Spain, while there is a great desire to get back to normal, and I've talked to my colleagues about this, people are frightened as well. Mm. And there is also an unwillingness to rush out there and act as we did in the past. And maybe to some extent, this uh, restrictive phase that we're living through is part of a reorientating our brain and our activities towards more caution, because we will not be able to um, run up to our pal and, and give them a hug or shake hands. I mean, I watched um, a funeral online yesterday with 10 people in the church, and these are very somber occasions, mm. and it's really sad for families who are impacted so that in a way, um, with this couple of weeks and the two more that are, are lasting in this current phase, they are, I think, part of trying to re-educate us to a new world. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you played very pessimistic economic forecasts there, mm. but very real figures from the finance minister. Um, we don't want that to be added to by very pessimistic predictions on health and death. No. COVID-19. No. So this is just unprecedented. Mm. I mean, nobody predicted it, although it was interesting yesterday, the health commissioner did say that in early January, they were, um, if you like, getting the message and trying to encourage member states to look at their preparedness because there was an awareness that something was happening in China. Mm. And indeed, we will need to look back and find out exactly what happened where this all began, in order for us to prevent it occurring again. So there will be a time for that. 
I think now, as the health commissioner said yesterday, now is about saving lives. So everything we're doing mm. now is about saving lives. And that lives. is the objective all over the world. It's the objective it in Sweden as well. Maybe we can conclude with Sweden yeah. because Sweden is a very different country to the rest of Europe. Always has been in many ways uh, for that matter. But they're looking at herd immunity uh, and uh, they're hoping that people will build up immunity. It's also a very obedient race uh, and they're hoping that people will be obedient and follow the physical distancing guidelines. And to a large extent, they're doing that. Uh, when you talk about going to the pub, the last place in Europe normally speaking, that you'd want to go to the pub is Sweden, or to get drink for that matter, because it's very anti-alcohol. Alcohol is very dear. I think off-licenses would have restricted opening hours and special bags so that you would feel ashamed walking down the street with alcohol in your hands. And you might pay as much as €10 Euro for a pint. But probably the only place you can go for a pint now in Europe is Sweden. The pubs, the restaurants, the gyms, the schools, they're all open. Yeah, but mind you, um, you can't travel at the moment because the, the guidance given to us, uh, you know, as members mm-hmm. of the European Parliament, yeah. is mm-hmm. you shouldn't travel. But, you know, you, you give a picture of Sweden there, which is a different society. But they're also, uh, I suppose, paying some price for that because, again, while it's hard to compare um, numbers, the Swedish death, death rate, according to figures I've seen, mm. is significantly higher than Finland's and uh, Norway mm. and Denmark. So they are an outlier. They are taking a different road. They're also having a similar problem to the rest of Europe and sadly here in Ireland around care homes where there is a significant number of deaths there. But interesting statistic which I've only discovered about Sweden is that 40% of households are made up of just a single person. And in that scenario, it is perhaps easier mm. to have a different approach. But we will, I suppose, make that judgment call as to who was right or wrong in time to come. And I think if you're in government or in leadership, you do have to take the precautionary approach Mm. and not take risks with people's health uh, and the lives of loved ones. And I think that's been the approach uh, here in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, Thus far, we have made progress. I think the health minister is concerned about complacency. Mm. And indeed, the health commissioner yesterday said, please do not let complacency set in. Mm. So keep reminding ourselves to do those simple things. And to be cautious, it is, I suppose, strange when you do go into a shop for the basics. You're almost, if somebody comes close to you, there is that sense. Uh, Get away from me. Oh, get away from me. (laughs) Well, and I presume they're thinking the same. It's a strange time. Who would have thought? I'm just reflecting that this time last year we were kicking off a European election Mm. campaign. Mm. And nobody thought within the 12 months we'd be in this place. Mm. And and thank God that election isn't happening now because it probably couldn't, given the circumstances no. that we are in. So uh, and when we talk about Sweden, I think they're probably pe- playing the long game and hoping that the end result uh, will be in their favour and that uh, despite yeah. uh, the short-term pain, uh, that it'll end up better. But they're certainly losing the short-term, ga- short-term game. The death yeah. rate is nine times higher than yeah. that of Finland, five times higher than that of Norway, and twice that of uh, Denmark. So I suppose... And, and one uh, other warning uh, here. Uh, I mean, our, the Irish gentleman, Mr. Ryan, or Dr. Ryan of mm, the WHO, Ryan, yeah. is really very cautious about this herd immunity and indeed whether somebody gets the uh, virus is then immune for life. There's a real caution around that because we don't know. And, you know, that is the bit that I suppose is troubling. Mm. Is Will this, uh, you know, peak again? And I suppose it's about knowledge and information okay. and using the best science out there to try and chart a course to a new normal, not the old one. Mairead, thank you very much indeed for joining us and stay safe please and thank you for joining us as I say. Mairead McGuinness, Fine Gael, MEP. Michael Reed on LMFM Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 